The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 155. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm okay. I'm feeling really tired. I don't know why. I've slept well. Okay. Either way, I don't need to complain about like, I'm tired and cranky and old. Uh, so I have my tea here. But um, uh, no, I was talking to you about off air about how we're redoing the kitchen in front. Like the, the way our house is set up, the door is on the side of the house and you have to walk in and then immediately up like four stairs. Okay. So when all four of us plus the dog come home, there's like very little room. I think it's three feet wide. And even then there's a little something that comes out of the wall where you can anyways basically two feet for four people and then some stairs and there's also a door right because the door opens into the house so you try to close that sucker in the winter and as we're redoing this it's all these things and I'm, i was trying to like look into like cool things i could do with with the kitchen aside from just like here's a fridge and stove and like some of the stuff it's like here's a kettle you can plug into your phone so everyone knows how hot you like your tea <laughs> who cares about that garbage yeah that's e- or like Here's a, a measuring cup that has a sensor in it so it knows how he- or how to make a – sorry, this is a better one. You put uh, – it's like a scale. You put a, a cup in it or on it, and then you can pour stuff in, and it measures how much you've, you've added so you can make the perfect quote-unquote drink. So if you want to make like the perfect Manhattan, it'll know to like, I don't know, take some the out. ounce how much you've put in cool and i was like i don't care that much yeah that's <laughs> i only spent four hundred dollars on that yeah that seems a little overkill uh kind of cool but I-, I don't know if that's gonna hit on the uh necessity list for you mitch definitely not definitely i have other things i could spend four hundred dollars on like a better set of headphones that'll cost half of that there you go that could work yeah i, I don't know if i can work that into my kitchen budget but uh, i'll try to sneak that one in <laughs> Uh, What's going on with you? Not a whole lot. So yesterday was interesting on Long Island. Um, If you are a patron, so patreon.com slash eyes on aisles, we do uh, post-game content over there, mailbag shows, a whole bunch of stuff. Usually after every single game, we record a podcast. For the first time ever, I think, since we started, we did not do one yesterday. And the reason was because I lost power for about 24 hours uh some people still don't have power actually five minutes before we went to go on mitch could vouch for me here we like had like a small power out like a brown out and then it came right back i was like i don't like this i don't like where this is going figure this out 
what the hell is going on in Nassau County where people still don't have power, man? Uh, it's just it's rough, man. There's there is a lot of trees down. I was driving around before, and uh, there's still there's some main roads still blocked off with trees down. That's crazy. What a storm that was. My God. I, obviously, I didn't feel it. I'm I'm all the way here, but I I saw all the pictures and the and the videos and just everyone tweeting like can't see the game, uh, which is insane. It's insane to me. Absolutely. So uh, this is episode 155. We'll get an addition later on for you guys in the quiz segment. Mitch has someone who uh, played 55 games for the Islanders. Uh, but first, I mean, this episode is going to be very heavy Florida Panthers series because, I mean, for obvious reasons, the playoffs is going to get the necessary attention that it deserves. So uh, three games in, the Islanders had an opportunity to sweep today. Unfortunately, we're not able to get that done, so they will play on Friday. But we do have some games to talk about, some good, some bad. I guess we'll start with the positive, Mitch. Let's do positive stuff. What have you noticed so far that that you've liked? Um. The third line and portions of the middle six. So, sorry, the bottom nine. Let's do that way. The bottom nine of the Islanders have been on point. The top six, not so much. Okay. I think that's totally fair. Um, to me, you kind of took – not took my answer. I knew we were going to come up with the, essentially the same thing. But the biggest standouts, I guess I'll word it like this to me, are Anthony Beauvillier and J.G. Pajo as the forward. So, I think I'd like to start – there and talk about each one of those two because uh, I think you could make a very strong case that Anthony Beauvillier has been the best forward for this team in the series. I, I want to hear someone argue otherwise. Like it, You can bring up Jean-Gabriel Peugeot and you wouldn't be wrong that he's one of the top forwards for the team, but to say that, Jean, uh, that Anthony Beauvillier is not the top player for the team right now would be ridiculous. And you can come to my house and we will discuss this in person. And if it leads to fisticuffs, that's where it leads. But <laughs> like Anthony Bovillia has been the better forward, a better player for the New York Islanders this series, without question. Without question. And that, that's considering Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. It's also considering uh, Simeon Varlamov and what he's done mm-hmm. so far, which has been outside of the power play, which you can't always blame the goalie on. He's been, I think it was a 9-4-5 and 1-3-4 save percentage I, I wrote having here. Okay, five on five, Sivian Varlamov, one three two goals against average, nine four five save percentage. That's great. It doesn't get much better than that at five on five. No, and one of those goals that he gave up was as the power play was expiring, by the way, in game two. That's right. It was technically a power play because the Islanders player coming out of the box had not joined the fray yet. Yeah, exactly. So just keep keep that in mind. But um, as, as far as the two forwards we just mentioned go, uh, Beauvillier was he was. The reason for that that first goal, the J.G. Pajot goal, he made a beautiful play to get the puck into the zone and then was able to feed J.G., who was coming off the bench and, and in and was able to, you know, he put himself in a good position to score the goal. But, I mean, Beauvillier was the catalyst on that play, no? He was absolutely. He was going into the offensive zone uh, and had no support. And he's like, all right, well, I'll just dump this in and I'll hold it up. And then he gets to the puck. Like, first off, that's impressive. He gets to it. He holds it up. But then he sees Jean-Gabriel Peugeot coming off the bench and into the zone. He's like, all right, well, I'll just hit him up with not just a dump pass, a cross-ice pass right to, the, right to the tape, crisp, flat, boom. Like, Jean-Gabriel didn't have a whole lot to do there. Just get it to an open area on the net, and it went in. Uh, just it, It's constant with, uh, with Anthony Beauvillier. If it's not... 
relentless forechecking. It's his playmaking. Mm-hmm. It's his goal scoring. Uh, or it's his bag check. He's just doing everything right. Absolutely everything right. He, I don't. He's not taking any faceoffs, but I'm sure he'd do pretty damn well there too. Yeah, his game has been, like you said, on point. He's been great since you know the return to play has come into play, and uh, this year was kind of a a breakout year in a sense in terms of he. I feel like he put it all together finally. We saw glimpses of that the last two years, but we got a relatively consistent Anthony Beauvillier throughout the 2019-20 season, uh, and now. He's showing glimpses of becoming that next solid Islanders forward. Like we had Brock Nelson come out last year and kind of cement that role. Um, I think you can make a strong case that Beauvillier is going to be someone in this top six that the Islanders rely heavy on. And he's showing why in these first three games with his talent. Yeah, like he does everything, everything right. He plays the Islanders way. And, and what you brought up earlier, was it's really the salient point, I think, whereas in year four, we've finally seen a consistent effort from Jean, uh, from, sorry, I was going to say Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, from Anthony Beauvillier. We've seen him play his style and um, really come into form into the way that he wants to play and how, how that fits within the system. Like his first three years in the team were all over the place. His first three years, he had three different coaches-ish. Right yeah. year one, Cappy, then Wait, then he had Wait again, and then the next year it was, it was um, Barry Trotz. Right. Okay. Good point. I didn't think of Cappy. You're right, though. And then at that point, he was what? That was when he started. That was the second year after drafting, right? Like he had one year where he was back in the minors, and then he came right up. He was 19. Yeah, like he was a young kid trying to figure it out. Uh, like the talent was always there, and he had always played as a center. And now he's playing on the wings. So he's got to kind of adjust a little bit. Uh, and now he's finally got that stability, and look at him flourish. He's not an 80-point player. He might be, I, I maybe, but, like, put up 38 points, was on pace for 47. What, but the takeaway here isn't just the production. It's the consistent effort on both sides of the puck, with it and away from it, and we're seeing that through these playoffs, that five-month break, it didn't just disappear. It stuck with them, and if that stays... Yeah, we got a 50-point player for the next five, six years on our hands, which is incredible. Exactly, and that's just another thing the Islanders could use is just a player in their own system taking that next step because they don't have a ton of room to go out and add in free agency, as we know, because they have to take care of a bunch of RFAs. So if you can get Anthony Beauvillier to bump up his production by, let's say, I don't know, maybe we thought he'd put up 45 to 50 points, but now he's like a 60-point player— that just helps you out even more so. Exactly. Would this essentially, and I, and I hate where I'm going with this a little bit, uh, would this essentially push uh, Josh Bailey out a little bit in terms of a, like top six going, like, we know we got Bo and we got this like f- we got this player that this could be a 60-point player or, or I've seen to be a 60-point player. Um, does this kind of push him out to make cap space? Because we've got a guy in Josh Bailey who performs, but like if we can move him and keep Bo, who's on $2.1 million next year, uh, that saves us some room. I guess, theoretically, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm spitballing here. We're not even, we're, we're, we're all way off from playoffs. And John, Anthony Bovillia is the top player for the New York Islanders in the playoffs. There's no questions asked. And again, if you have a question, come to my house and I will answer them. 
There you go. And as for JG Pajot, I mean, this is exactly why Lou Lamarillo traded for him, exactly what he's done in this series. He has been clutch in terms of goal scoring. As we know, he, he loves scoring the playoffs. I think it's 13 career playoff goals he has now, which is bananas in like 39 games. I don't know those numbers off the top of my head. I'm just scrolling down to pick them up here. He has 13 playoff goals, not counting today's, mind you, in 37 playoff games. So in 38 playoff games, he has 14 playoff goals. There you go. That's impressive. For a third-line center, right? Mm -hmm. Like Everyone can say, like, well, he played first-line minutes with Ottawa. Only last year. That's it. Before that, he was not a first-line center. I can tell you that much. No, exactly. And... What he was able to do in the face-off dot in the first couple of games. He wasn't great in the face-off dot today, but in the first two games, he was excellent in that. And, I mean, he plays a really good two-way game. He's good defensively. He's been one of their better offensive players. He's been extremely important to the Islanders' success, at least in the first two games. Yeah, even in the third game, right? Yeah. Like, he does everything. Like you said, takes face-off, kills penalties, plays on the power play, plays at five-on-five, five, and... Like Barry Trotz is saying or, or after the third game that they were playing to east-west, I think I think it was, they needed to go more north, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean necessarily. I guess they're playing too much along the sides and not taking the puck deep enough. Mm-hmm. But that's what Jean-Gabriel Peugeot does. He's taking that puck in deep. He's playing in the other zone. He's not playing in his own zone. And when he does, that's because he's pushing the puck forward. Uh, and that's what the Islanders paid to get, like you said. It was a heavy price, I suppose. But when you have the best third line center in the league, you you, you got to pay for it. You got to, especially when he's having a career year, you're right. going to pay for it. Uh, but but if he does what he's supposed to do, it will <laughs> it will compensate. You will get the compensation back. Yeah, exactly. This is what you were hoping for. When that's why you pay the five million dollars for this kind of a well rounded game. Yeah, he's probably never going to put up this kind of offensive production in a regular season where, you know, he scores close to 30 goals again and puts up, what was he on pace for? Like 60 points, 59 points? He just might, right? Casey Zegas put up 20 goals from the fourth line just last year. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he does. Maybe he proves me wrong in that aspect. But I, I think we could justify the cost just by how well-rounded his game is. Absolutely, yes. You're absolutely right. 100%. But, like, everyone's going to hate it, right? Like, insert SpongeBob mean here. Like, oh, well, the price is too high. Yeah, the price is high, but look at what he's giving you guys. It's not just the intangibles. It's the tangibles. Like, look at the production he's putting up in the playoffs. Yeah. If he can get you to the playoffs and then performs, God damn it, that's worth some money. No, 100%. Absolutely. And I know we talked about the offense a little bit. Um, I, I kind of, before we get into some guys who aren't performing on the offensive side of things. Uh, I think it's important that we talk about Adam Pellick because this team looks just completely different with him on the ice. It was very, very noticeable in the first two games. It was. At 5-on-5, five five, this team is is night and day with, with Adam Pellick on the ice. It just makes a wild difference when you can play him 15 to 20 minutes a night uh, at 5-on-5. Five uh, just clearing pucks in front of the net or keeping the net uh, clear, uh, keeping pucks to the outside, and, and just 
not really giving the Florida Panthers any sort of high-quality chances, which guys like Barkov and Huberto and Dadanov or even and, and Hoffman even thrive on, right? Like, give them quality chances, and, and their talent will will bury you. Right. Uh, you take those away with a guy like Adam Pellick, and you, you give yourself a better chance. 100%. Definitely. Um, and... He's done. He's done just that. It's not pretty. He's not going to put up crazy amount of points, or he, he might not have those highlight real plays. But he, uh, another one, steady, just like JG Pajot, and necessary on a team that is fighting for you know a playoff run. That you you need that right? Like, well, just look at the Florida Panthers. Remember in their their exhibition game, they got shelled five nothing, mm-hmm. but they didn't have Mackenzie Weger or uh, Aaron Ekblad. It'd just be like the Islanders. Take away Adam Pellick, take away Ryan Pollock, and God, like, well, sure, we have better guys to prop up on our bottom pairs, but, like, still took you take away the head, and it's going to take a while to adjust. No, you're right. And it's, it ju- it's just an obvious difference because they kind of look more like October, November, December New York Islanders versus February New York Islanders, which was brutal. <laughs> very much was everything was going wrong then the sky was falling down uh, and here we're being propped up by essentially what is our our bottom six forwards uh, to an extent uh and, and our defense right going including the goaltending but we're, we're not being propped up by our top six which i'm sure we, we want me want to get to now that we're 15 minutes into the show uh what the hell is going on with the top line yeah um Really outside of a very solid game, too, from Jordan Eberle. And he did have a pretty decent chance uh, in today's game on a little breakaway opportunity. Uh, he has the, been the only functioning part of that top line. Matt Barzal has been MIA. And Anders Lee, outside of providing a screen on the first Jordan Eberle goal, has been also MIA. Yeah, I don't know what... I guess this is what the Pittsburgh Penguins were going through, and we swept them last year, right, when Sidney Crosby did nothing but one assist in that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind you, we're still winning, which is great, right? Kind of like maybe if we were losing, the, the focus would be sharper. Right. Um, but yeah, Matthew Barzell and Anders Lee has not done much. They had a good game, too, where I think combined they put up, I think it was seven shots combined. But outside of that, I think they combined for four. They have 11 shots together. Right. So outside the two games, four shots combined. That's not good for the guys that should be like shelling Sergei Bobrovsky with pucks. Respect or uh, relatively because it's an Islanders team. Like they don't they don't shell anyone with shots. Right, but um, you would expect more than what they've they've given you. That I think you that the second and third line has been miles better than that first line in terms of generating chances, which is incredible when you think about it right like these guys are supposed to be at least for us top of the line uh top tier talent and when the the going gets tough they get going type of thing but that's not what's happening right now that's not what's happening right now that was hard for me to say for some stupid reason um they're they're just not finding their chances like Matthew Barzell is doing what he normally does Anders Lee seems to be doing what he normally does but it's just it's just not working I, I don't I don't get it. It doesn't seem like anything is different with the way they're approaching, right? No, it, it really doesn't. Um, I, I, I don't know. For whatever reason, it just seems like any time Anders Lee gets a stick on the pockets going right into the crest of uh, Bobrovsky, and it just seems like Barzal is skating around the zone with not a whole lot of options going around. And maybe that's, that's the... F- 
uh, folly or the folly. Well, anyways, the the error of Matthew Barzell's reliance on generating right off of his stick right there and then. Right? He's not doing a lot of getting that puck in deep. Right? Even when he enters the zone, he doesn't get to like the face-off dot before he peels off. He 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 peels off like almost immediately. He takes like five steps into the zone, turns around and doubles back looking for an outlet. Then he'll drag that defenseman all the way in and clear that top end of the zone if you're going to double back anyways. Yeah. Try that. Uh, which may not still work because they can still double team him, right? Like one take the deeper end and one take the, the, the top end. And then Matthew Barzell has to come into the slot, which is suicide typically. Usually if you you got your head down like Barzell does sometimes. Right, exactly. Then you're going to get laid out. Um, it's just, it hasn't worked though. And that is going to have to change if they, if they want to advance and have any shot going further. So Barry Trotz hasn't really made any changes to his his lineup aside from the one necessary one that he's made, right? That we all know about, but we'll get to a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think he does anything with the lineup now, specifically considering this top line, just just the top line? Do you think he changes this going into Game Four? I would. I don't know if he does. I would yeah. put I would put Anthony Beauvillier back up there. Um, See that that's what I would do too, and I, I think it makes sense. One because of how good Beauvillier has been playing, but they it's that was a pretty productive line. Granted, it was a couple of years ago at this point, but Bo Barzal Eberly did have success in the past, and I, I really I, I know it's we're beating a dead horse on this one. I don't like Lee with Barzal. I don't think it works. Lee with Nelson and Bailey, that's different. I can get behind that for sure. So I think he's he being Trotz is maybe hanging his hat on the fact that Lee Barzell had good underlying numbers. Like their Corsi numbers were pretty good this year. Um, and, and maybe Lee was a little snake bitten throughout the year, specifically on the power play. Mm-hmm. But when it came to five on five, like they had OK numbers. And then when you look at that, you're going like it's going to change. Something's going to change. They have too much talent for this to stay like it is. But to your point, I don't think they're complementary players, they being Matthew Barzal and Andrews Lee. They just don't seem to fit. Bar- Barzal's not a shooter. He's trying to be one, but he's still not a volume shooter. That's just not his game. No. And that's what Lee thrives on. Well, like, and then to, to, to flip that and maybe make it, uh, what's the word I'm looking Anyways, uh, if you put him being Lee with Josh Bailey, while Bailey is not a volume shooter at all, they seem to know how to work the ice together. Mm-hmm. So you put a line of Lee, Nelson, Bailey. It, it's three vets, three guys that know how to play two-way, and, and two guys specifically in uh, Bailey and, and Lee that know how to play together. Just, just the two of them, there's chemistry there. And then you have a volume shooter in Brock Nelson just down the middle. Uh, th- that should work. And then, you, like you said, you got Beauvillier to play the pucks down low. Get them to two shooters-ish in Matthew Barzal, and then Jordan Eberle, who's definitely a shooter. Like, yes. that should work. I, I would think so. Um, that, to me, just makes more sense. And, uh, I mean, you mentioned Barzal not shooting. There was opportunity on the power play today. I think it was on the one in the second period where he just he tried to drop it off. It might have been he tried to drop it off for Eberle instead of taking a shot, but there was one opportunity where I was like, oh, my God. Like, even if you don't score on it, Lee was right there for a— a potential rebound if, if there was one is I, I think you're right in the sense that he would thrive more with someone like Beauvillier who could a keep up with him and just suits him style a little bit more. Yeah. Well, he, he pulls like, like 
The thing with Lee is that he's great along the boards because he's he's very he's strong. Big. He yeah. is a very strong man and, and is great battling along the boards. He's not a quick skater. He's not fleet of foot. He's also not a shooter, like or, or a distant shooter, I should say. He's not a guy who's going to take the puck from the corner and just lay it on the net uh, at, at any chance he's going to get. He's going to try to get as close as he can to that net, which doesn't necessarily serve Barzell. He needs someone to help him around the perimeter and get him the puck, dig it out, and then give it to him. Bo is that kind of workhorse player mm-hmm. that serves Barzell well, I, as far as I can tell anyways. Obviously, I'm not there at practice to and watch them uh, play as close close as Barry Trotz is, and I haven't been a coach like Barry Trotz has. It just, to me, at the eye test level, it just seems that Barzal and Bovillia works. But I still think that you're right that Barry Trotz won't make this change for one specific reason, is that they're still winning the series, right? Like, he's not desperate enough to make that kind of desperate move. No, that's the thing. I, I think he likes the consistency, and I think he's going to go with, well, they'll just figure it out eventually kind of thing. Um, Which sucks because it might work now, but it may not work later. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's risky. It's definitely a risky play. But I think he would say exactly. He would say we're up two one in the series. Uh, I could get by even if they're not playing that great because I won the first two games. And I mean, outside of taking two awful penalties, we were in this game too. That's true, right? Like when we we look at this game being lost. <laughs> It was too many men on the ice and playing the puck out of the trapezoid that sank him. Yeah. Like, although, to be fair, the PK could do its jam, its damn job, right? Like, the PK yeah. has been awful here. No, it has. I mean, I mean, the strength of the Florida Panthers team is the, is the power play as well. So, uh, five on five, I think they were, they were fine. They weren't great today, but I think they were fine. Um, in, in terms of getting more out of or keeping the status quo the same uh i think he'll i think he'll go by that logic like oh if we just button up our special teams we, we would have been fine today so why am i going to change it anyway and that, that's it like if you look at the five on five the islanders win they win two one if they if they only mm-hmm. score five on five goals which of course is not what happened uh because of those two power plays but if they can shore up their, their penalty kill at least a little bit they still they still tie right like they probably go to uh, overtime here uh, on one of those two goals, but the power, the penalty kill has been terrible. I think it's sixty-six percent efficiency, something like that, mm-hmm. which sounds cool. Like, oh well, they're they're killing most of them. Yeah, but that's not that's good not at enough. the NHL level. No, it's like not seventy-five is terrible. Eighty or better, and even then, the Islanders had an eighty-point-three percent PK in the regular season, which ranked them seventeenth. Like mm. sixty-six is terrible. Yeah, it's awful. Would be worse by far in the league. It might pass at school, but it's not passing in the NHL. That's for damn sure. That's a fact. Uh, so that definitely has to be cleaned up uh, there as well. Uh, anything else in terms of positive negatives you want to get to? Well, in terms of positive, I, re- I really want to stress that the power play has not been awful. Okay. Uh, it hasn't been great, but it has not been terrible. Like They didn't score one today. They went over three. But they scored two yesterday, so they went two for seven. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, two for ten. And then they went one for three yesterday. Did they not? Something like that. Yeah, they went one for three. So that's three for, did I say 10? So three for 13, right? Uh, Yes. So if I do the quick mathematics here, three divided by 13 is a 23.1% efficiency. Which is a lot better than what they were in the regular season. At a 17.3, yeah. So much, much better on the power play. 
at times it doesn't look good. When it's not working, it's awful. Yeah. Uh, and when it works, it, it doesn't look great, but it works. Right. That's the. Th- I think they. The reason why that might your take might not pass the eye test is because when it's bad, it's brutal. Like the one when they couldn't get into the zone for the first a minute thirty seconds on the power play. That was dreadful, right? Like you can't get past the blue line for a minute and a half. Just awful. No, just not good. Just just relent. Just go like you know what? Put their guy back on the ice, please. It's fine. We just 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 decline their penalty here. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into uh, the Johnny Boychuk injury and just talk about that whole situation. Sound good, Mitch? Yes. All right. So when we come back, we'll get into the Johnny Boychuk injury and why Mike Matheson is a dirtbag. <laughs> Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode 155. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Now we're going to transition and talk about Boychuk's injury. He only played just over five minutes of game one. And the reason for that was uh, because Mike Matheson decided to go headhunting. Just absolutely ridiculous. Like, it's one thing to finish your check. It's another thing to go high on a guy at the blue line Who's, who's playing the puck. It wasn't just that he hit him. He hit him late as well, and then he hit him high. So just, like, constant, like, that's not constant, but, like, three issues with that one play right. five minutes into the game. Five minutes. Come on. This wasn't, like, a lazy penalty where you you stop skating and you, you, you hook a guy or you trip him by accident. This was, I'm going to kill this guy. Come on, man. Yeah, he went shoulder to head, and, uh, I mean... Even if you want to talk about before that with Boychuk, uh, a minute 20, it was less than two minutes into the game, he went down hard and it stayed down for a little bit. It ended up giving the Islanders, or it evened it up or something. It evened up a, uh, it was a four on four after that, right? I don't think the Islanders went to the power play. I don't remember. I don't think they got a power play off of that. Like he just, I think he just tweaked his hip a little bit on that one. Yeah, so he got banged up. He went down and then, in the sec- right early in the second was that hit from Matheson, and he was done. So the Islanders had to play down a defenseman in game one, and for some reason, the Islanders didn't get the uh, five-minute major on that. No, because they assessed it, right? Like So he went to the penalty box, he being Matheson, to the penalty box with five minutes displayed on the clock. So you're thinking, all right, five-minute major. They review it because you're allowed to do that now. You can, you being the ref, can review uh, whenever a major penalty is given off. And they decide, you know what? That's only a minor. And you're saying, in what world is that a minor? In what world is that a minor? You, of course, you can't, you can't judge. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Intent to injure based off of just a slow mode replay. You can't. You'd have to ask guy like, did you want to injure him? And then he would have to answer honestly, which he will never do so. Right. Um, but you look at that play and you're going, initial contact to the head. A late hit. He uh, left his feet uh, and, and and then injured the player. Nothing. Just two minutes, that's fine. A little slap on the wrist. It's okay, buddy. Don't worry about it. Just 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 go ahead. It's fine. Get back on the ice. Actually, and he, he didn't even serve the full two minutes because at least Anthony Bovelia would score on that power play. Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah, they did score on that. So they got a goal out of it, but... You lost a defenseman, and he hasn't been able to play in game two or game three because of it. Yeah, and like this isn't the first time that Mike Matheson does something stupid. He just gave uh, Elias Peterson a concussion earlier this year. So talk to Vancouver Canucks fans about Mike Matheson, and they'll they'll tell you how they feel. 
and he missed a significant amount of time this year because of that and and that hit was Matheson hit him along the boards and then like threw him down MMA style head first to the ice for no reason the the check was already finished he did not need to do that he just did it because he wanted to be a jerk right and I mean that's not the only thing he's done in this series either he went up he got a stick up high to Brock Nelson and got a four minute uh, penalty on that one yeah because he made him bleed uh, so it's a double minor, right? Because he and uh, like the way that it happens is wild. It almost looks like he loses balance, right? I, I think he's feigning losing balance, and maybe not. He'll probably tell you that he is losing balance, but like he's falling backwards. It seems, and he just like for some reason, this is not a natural reaction. Just like whips his stick behind him, like there's a ghost behind him that he has to like hit with a racket or something. Anyways, he's doing that, and Brock Nelson's behind him, gets a stick under the shield and right next to the eye. Like, so touch your eye and then just like move it a little bit to the right. If you're, you're touching your right eye, just move your finger to the right a little bit. That's where he's bleeding. That's how close he was to losing his goddamn eye. And the NHL's like $2,500 fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll take $2,500 from you, Mike. No worries. That's what? nothing. Like, I could survive at $2,500 fine. I, it's, it's a bigger chunk of change for me. Obviously, I'm not a hockey player, but that that's... Nothing in NHL terms. I don't remember if the tweet said that like that 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 was that per. Sorry, I don't remember if the when the NHL player are. Uh, oh God, my words are not here okay. today. Holy Christ! Um, the Department of Player Safety. If they uh, in the tweet for the twenty five hundred dollar fine, did they state that that was the maximum allowable uh, by the collective bargaining agreement? I don't remember seeing that in the in the tweet from the DOPS. No, I don't think so. So, like, they could have gone more. They just decided not to. Yeah, he got, uh, he made $3.5 million this year. I think he can suffer, uh, 2,500 bucks. Yeah, 2,500 bucks for almost taking someone's eye out. That's incredible. Yeah. So, and like we said, uh, the Islanders got a, a double minor out of it, but Joel Quinville was not pleased because he didn't play today. No Matheson. He was on the scratch pad. Well, that then uh, that that seemed to be the uh, responsible decision from Joel Quenville, not only because of those two plays, but because of the penalties that he keeps taking. He yeah. had eight minutes of penalties in game two. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. You you can't have that. You can't have it. And plus, I I forget how many he had in game one. I have it open here. Let me look. Mike Matheson had two penalty minutes, so he had ten penalty minutes across two games. Yeah, you can't do that. No, you're not going to be able to survive. You deserve to be healthy scratched at that point. And uh, well. It put the Islanders in a interesting situation heading into Game 2 because we figured Johnny Boychuk wasn't going to be able to go, which he wasn't, and they were able to choose between Andy Green or Noah Dobson. Uh, I know both you and I were campaigning for Noah Dobson, but I don't think either of us were too surprised when Andy Green got the call, right, Mitch? Oh, no, we, we were fully well prepared to fail on that on that campaign. Um, we were we were playing from a losing position for sure, without question. It was going to be Andy Green unless something, unless Noah Dobson, like, I don't know. I don't know what Barry Trotz likes the most. Gave him, like, number one dad uh, mug. <laughs> I don't know, he likes being a dad. So, like, that, 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 that might, may have tipped the scales a little bit for, for good old Noah. But without that, it was going to be Andy Green, no, no question. Yeah, he has the experience. He's 37 years old, which I believe on the broadcast they said he's the sixth oldest defenseman in the league. That's that's sad for me who's 36. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Um, 
but he has the experience. He has 50, or he had 50 postseason games going into it with the Devils and uh, obviously was on that team that made the run to the uh, Stanley Cup final in, was that 2012? Yeah, sure. 2012. But that that was eight years ago. Oh, I know. I, I, I'm I know. I'm I'm just I'm putting it out there for why we know that Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo value that. Yes, it was a very very long time ago, but that's what they care about. That's why Tom Kunakel's in the lineup. Yeah, and, and that's worked relatively. Like I, I hate the fact that he had seven minutes and fifty six seconds of ice time today. Like, come on, guys. Like, really? <laughs> that's not a lot of ice time. Spread it around a bit. I think specifically, anyways, well, we can get to that a little bit later. Uh, but with, with Noah Dobson and Andy Green, I get why they put Andy Green in. I get the whole experience factor thing. I get he's long in the tooth and he knows what to do in these situations and it doesn't matter left or right. I get that. But at a certain point, you're going to have to get, you're going to have to trust your kid. You're going to have to. Yeah. Why not now? Because you got Andy Green here. Okay. I suppose. But, like, even for Game 3, why not play Noah Dobson? You're up one anyways. Or, sorry, you were up two at that point. If you win with them, great. Let's keep this going forward because this is a kid we want around for years to come. Uh, And you can make him play. Like, Andy Green played 17 minutes tonight. He played how much? 16 minutes the night before. Like, Noah Dobson can play those minutes relatively error-free. Like, that's, that's the thing that he can do. And if not, well, he's going to make mistakes even next year. He's going to make mistakes next year. Why not have him learn now? Why not? How else is he going to learn? I, I, I don't think... They have shown no reason for us to believe that they are going to give one of those kids an opportunity. We've seen it with Bellows. We saw it with Wallstrom early in the year. We saw it with Koivula early in the year. We saw it with Dobson early in the year. And even last year, we saw it. The only young guy that they seemed to consistently give time to, or did until the playoffs started, was Michael Dalcole, which was the weirdest part of it all. That's <laughs> true. The playoffs is like, you're done. Um, so Andy Green played his first playoff game in 2007. Uh, so when, how old was he then? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. 2007? Was he was 24. Okay. So like, and that was his first NHL season. Yeah, it's a like, long time ago now. His first NHL year, he's put in, and he, he, they go to the playoffs and they play him. Not the same thing for Noah Dobson. I, I understand there's a four-year difference there, and, and Andy Green played at the NCAA level, uh, but so? <laughs> so what? I know. Why, why can't you play a kid who's been playing at the NHL level, who's played 34 games? Andy Green played 23 games that year. Interesting. Like, I just... I get it, but I also don't get it at the same time because it's like, here's the time. Specifically, game three. I get game two. You don't want to. You don't want to level the series and, and give them any hope. But with you're up 2-0, Why the hell not? Clearly, I'm not conservative enough. I'm too risky of a person. The yeah. guy who bets seventy five cents on bets. <laughs> yeah, you have seventy five cent units, but uh, you're, yeah, you're like the one that, who's too that's risky. That's the minimum. I can't go any lower. I've tried. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Um, you're you're not wrong though. For whatever reason, they just aren't willing to do that. So until they prove otherwise, I'm always going to lean towards the veteran, and not in terms of what I want to do, but just what I think the Islanders are going to do. Yeah, you'd be wrong not to. You really would. Yeah. So I don't think Green's been bad. 
No, and then that's the thing, right? Like, this isn't supposed to be like, Andy Green doesn't deserve to be here. No, I, no one is saying that. It's just kind of like, ah, I get it, but I also don't get it at the same time because you're going, yes, this guy is fine. I, I, I have nothing against Andy Green, but I also like the idea of having the guy that we're going to have around for the next eight or nine years, if not longer than that, hopefully his entire career, just sitting there. Sitting there. Come on, guy. Yeah. And you said he was good. All right, put him in. You said the third pair was as good as any other pair. Great. Here's the time to show it. Sit Nick Letty down. Why the hell not? Why? Because he's got um, a 67% Corsi, I think it was. I have to bring up. Not even. Where is he? 58.76. He's the, the top-ranked defenseman in terms of Corsi. Is that why? I that that's it. That doesn't seem to be justifiable to me in terms of... Expected goals for he's second. Is, is that why you have to keep and uh, Nick Letty there? You don't have to put the other no. guy in. Why the hell not? I'm I'm with you on that. I you're preaching to the choir here on this one, Mitch. Uh, I think we're just kind of old man screaming at cloud right now. I, old man screaming at old man, really. Yeah, pretty much because we can yell and scream and carry on all we want, but at the end of the day. Again, what I led this conversation with, none of us were surprised that they went green. No, no one was shocked. It would be shocking if they went like Thomas Hickey or something. With all due respect to Thomas Hickey, uh, he's not the seventh guy in the depth chart. He's clearly the eighth man in the depth chart. And and who knows where Sebastian Ajo ranks there. He's got got to be so mad. What the hell am I doing here, guys? I've been in the AHL forever, killing it, and I can't even get in the NHL. Which is fine, I suppose, when you have guys like Andy Green around. But it, if, yeah, anyways. Anyways, I'm not surprised. I'm not mad. Uh, I just, I, I really want Noah Dobson to get get his legs out under him. M- maybe if they're like in a best of seven next, next series, if they make it through. And they're up like, I don't know, two games to none or two games to one. Maybe they play him, give him a look. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you're right. So. <laughs> I really don't, man. I don't. I don't think... I would be really surprised at this point if if we see uh, too much of a lineup change, unless someone's like really awful, which I don't think they're at the point where they're going to be scratching Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, or Matt Barzell. No, they're running with those guys no matter what. They're not going to scratch him for a game. They'll, they'll miss a shift, I assume, uh, if they play real bad or do something real stupid. But outside of that, they're they're, they're on the ice all the time. Absolutely. So anything else before we get into the quiz stuff? No, no. Are, sorry. Are you surprised that they didn't play Thomas Grice for the back-to-back? No. Like for everything I just said, they, they don't want to change it. They want It worked for the first two games. Uh, and if they won today, they would have had a long break anyway. So Varlamov would have got his rest there. Exactly. There, there was no reason to do it. I, I wasn't surprised either. Uh, the, with the way he played in games one and two, there was no reason to switch him out. Like He had a... Well, again, his save percentage at five on five is nine four five <laughs> across three games. Right, he's and he, fine. And he was—I thought he was fine today. His one mistake came taking a penalty, a, a delay a game. That was it. And even then, I think you can argue that he did what he had to do. He took the penalty because otherwise, the Panthers forward was in on the puck. The defenseman, the Islanders defenseman, was nowhere around the puck, so he had mm-hmm. to do something. Um, but and then that's all he thought of, and even then he got a two minute. Like you take the penalty or you take the goal. Unfortunately, he took the penalty and a goal. So and a goal, yeah. But that that's really the only mistake. Other than that, I think he's been more than you could have asked for. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. 
All right, so ready for the quiz? Yes, let's do this. So we're at episode 154 of the Eyes on Isles 155. podcast. Sorry. <laughs> I still have 154 written here. Yes, sorry. We are the 155th episode of the Eyes on Isles podcast. As we do with every show, for the, uh, sorry, for every show, we take a player who's played this number of games. Usually it's minus 100, but this time I went with 155 games. So this player has played 155 games for the New York Islanders. You have five guesses, Matt, to to discover who this player is. The guesses get progressively easier as we go. Good luck to you. Okay. Guess number one. I was born June 1st, 1980 in Lungi, Sweden. L-J-U-N-G-Y. That might help you. Next. Okay, anybody doesn't really. Uh, Two, in 155 games, I have 56 points with the Islanders. So not much of a score. Next. I was a third round pick by the New York Islanders in 1999. Next. He's a forward, by the way. Forward, Um, okay. I believe so. Anyways, maybe maybe don't quote me on that because I think I may have forgotten something here. Uh, My best season was in 03-04 where I scored a, hold it, 20 points. Sorry, he was a forward. He was a right wing. Okay. This is bad. Uh, I don't know. It's fine. Uh, Last one. Uh, Matthias is my name and you can't handle me. Handle. Who is it? Matthias Weinhandel. Don't remember him. <laughs> <laughs> I really I have no recollection. That, that's fine. He um, <laughs> he played most of his time with the Islanders between the 02 and 06 season. Uh, and then he and then he left after that. Uh, he played uh, two years in Minnesota in 05 and then 07. Sorry, okay. 05, 06, 06, 07, where he played 15 and 12 games. But yeah. Three years with the Islanders between 02 and 06, where you were like, I don't know, six, seven years old? Uh, eight to 11. Yeah, so not paying a whole lot of attention, I imagine. No, uh, apparently not. Yeah, I honestly don't rem- I don't really remember him. That's perfectly all right. So that is episode 155 of the Eyes on Isles podcast, where Matt doesn't remember Matthias Weinelham. That's on me, guys. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'll be sorry. I didn't even pronounce his last name right. Wine handle. God, Jesus. Just said it like five times. We'll be better for 156. Oh, man. Quick quick break from us. When we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what's going on around Isles Twitter. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Now into the social segment. Mitch, what do you got for us? This tweet just flashed across my desk. It's uh, from Matthias Weinhandle. He wants me to pronounce his name properly. called me a jerk and everything in german i believe oh boy. uh no that's not that's not true uh my first one comes from uh scott abraham i'm sure you've seen this and it's a video of katie ledecky swimming with a glass of chocolate milk on her head i i wish i had half of that skill that that's incredible it, it, i don't i don't know how the hell you do that how do you uh, do that yeah while swimming like I'm watching it again, and I, 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 like Scott says, I have no words. How the hell do you swim in a, uh, the full length of an Olympic swimming pool and the four, whatever you call that, the floor strokes at the butterfly? I don't think so. No, that's freestyle. all the way out, right? Freestyle. Freestyle. There you go. 
Um, God, and without spilling, and she's going quick, right? Like not full speed, but quick enough. Yeah. That's insane. No, that yeah. I was stunned. I watched the video probably three times in a row, and still have no idea how she was able to pull that off. I, I don't know. That's incredible to me. Uh, so props on you, uh, Katie Ledecky. Good job. Yeah, that's a good video. You should definitely check that out if you haven't seen it. Uh, first one from me is from uh, David Pagnata, and uh, it looks like the end of the Josh Ho saying era is here, Mitch, as uh, it looks like he's heading to the KHL. Um, I wish him well. Uh, I hope... Russia's not a great place for a person of color. Let's just say that right off the bat. Uh, I've been, uh, it's, and I've been there with people of color, and it's it's not awful, but it's not great, so I wish him well there. Hopefully he could... Uh, he, he, he re discovers his form and he piques someone's interest at the NHL level uh, where he could get an NHL contract in 21-22, hopefully. I hope so. I'm rooting for him. Um, I'm sad that it came to an end because I definitely think there was potential there. And uh, it, it's just, it was, it's been a long, long road for both him and the Islanders over the last six years since he was drafted. Right. And so this doesn't mean he's gone, right? Like, well, it means he's gone to the KHL, but like he's not out completely by the Islanders. Like he's still RFA status as far as I know after this. I don't think this is the end of the road, although, sorry, it's the end of the road. It's it's the end of the road. There, there's no way that he's going to put up numbers in the KHL and they go like, oh, Josh, Josh, what? baby, how are you doing, buddy? Come on over. No way. Ain't having it. Well, if they didn't tender him an offer, wouldn't he become a UFA then? If they don't qualify him, he would be. A, he would be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I'd imagine that would be what's going to happen here. I kind of hope that happens for him, where they just they just let him go, right? Like Robin Leonard situations. Yeah, with Buffalo, absolutely. Exactly. Just like, just just do your thing, Josh. And if we happen to come back together, great. If not, I hope you do well and uh, good job. You know, good good on you. I hope that that's where it ends. Yeah, definitely. I hope he gets a shot in the NHL. I'm really rooting for him. Yeah, so like ideally he does well at the KHL level, a little bit of an, uh, a bigger ice depending on where he's at. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe that like gives him some space that he needs to to do what he does. Absolutely. Uh, my next one comes from at Voice Islanders fan or fan. Uh, there's no a there. Okay. I heard at NBC on uh, sorry. I heard at NHL on NBC Sports is going to bring in John Spano, Gar Snow, Steve Glickstern, and Kate Murray to add to their broadcast when they have the lease on, and Milbury in studio to make the broadcast more unbearable for Isles fans. That would be the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. That that's like I was gonna say trifecta, but I think it was more than three things that you just listed off. It, that would be. Worst case imaginable for anyone who enjoys the Islanders. That would be the worst case imaginable for anyone who enjoys their ears. Could you imagine <laughs> the garbage being spewed on that network already, which is Mike Milbury, and mm-hmm. then those four clowns? Oh. Yeah, well, did you see the latest with Milbury? What he was saying about Musin when he went down? Yeah, like he went down and he was not faking it, but he was, he was down for a whistle to get like a breather or something like that for his team. Yeah, and he had to get carted off. Unbel- like the egg on his face when he saw the stretcher. I, although I don't think so. I think he's like, well, I was right. Whatever. I don't care. I was still right. I'm not sure he has an empathetic bone in his body. How do you see a guy laying on the ground thinking like, ah, he's just doing it for the whistle, boys. That's what he's doing. Uh, bah, give me my paycheck. Bah. What a I, stupid thing to say. 
That man does not deserve to be on national on national television. He really doesn't. I can't wait no. till the NHL can renegotiate their their American contract for TV and they bring in someone else. I don't. I it, I hope it's ESPN, someone else. It, it can't be NBC anymore. It just can't be. I I can't stand it. No, I'm with you on that. I definitely am. Um, that was really bad. That was brutal. That was really bad. Bad look by Mike Milbury. Did he apologize for that at all? Maybe he texted I, him or tweeted at him directly. Not that I've seen. Maybe he has, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't think he will. But that's Mike. Uh, last one for me is uh, well, pretty much everyone clipped it, but it, it's the clip of JG Pajo like going like a punch flinch at uh, Brian Boyle, who is I don't know, like eight inches taller than him, is phenomenal. So Brian Boyle, I believe, on the NHL website is listed at six six. And mm-hmm. Jean-Gabriel Peugeot is listed at 5'10". So, yeah, that's eight inches. That's eight inches. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's insane. Almost a full foot taller than him. And he's he's fronting, right? He gets he pops out the chest as if he's, he he's going to yeah. lunge at him. I've done that before. Uh, not to someone much taller than, than myself, just maybe a little bit. And I love it every time. Every time. Because they always, they always take a step back because they're not ready for it. They're love not expecting it. it. Yeah. Not expecting it. And I, I was a goalie, so it's a little bit different. I also have like you know the, the cheese board, which is always fun. Uh, so yeah, it's great. It's a great power move from Jean Gabriel Peugeot on Brian Boyle. Love the uh, the short king energy too. By the way, like I love everyone who's like five ten or under on Twitter was saying like me after like two drinks at the bar, <laughs> which is just so which is so spot on. By the way, it is, and he's he's been great again. Like everything we said mm-hmm. throughout the show already, and then that. As well as the fight against Jacob Trouba when he took out Michael Del Cole. Like, yeah. every game, every single game, Sean Gabriel Peugeot is doing something to enamor himself to the Islanders fan base. And then you have everyone in the NHL going, like, well, Why'd you pay him? Why'd you pay him? Why did you trade all those things for him? Just watch. Just watch, and you'll see. He's worth it. Yeah, I agree. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed JG Peugeot's time with the Islanders so far. Absolutely. Uh, my last one here is from At Always Isles. Uh, saying regular season Jordan Eberle versus playoff Jordan Eberle and then a bunch of hashtags. And it's a picture of Butters from South uh-huh. Park and then Professor Chaos, his alter ego supervillain uh, or supervillain alter ego. Also spot on. Some, like Jordan Eberle in the regular season is not the same player he is in the playoffs. It seems no. for the Islanders, for the Edmonton Oilers, they're all looking at each other going like, what the hell happened, guys? We had this guy and we let him go for Ryan Strom. We could have used him in the playoffs, guys. Oh, 100%. I think in, he had 13 playoff games in Edmonton and two assists, I'm pretty sure, in those 13 games. Oh, wow. Just what a crappy organization. Terribly run organization. That's for damn sure, man. Um, it didn't work out there, but it's working out wonders here. Uh, 11 points in 11 games. Yeah, right, because he was 11 and 10, and they didn't, he didn't put one up today, right? He didn't pick up an assist, did he? He did not. He was plus no. one, though. Good job by him. Yeah. So. 11 and 11. That's pretty solid. <laughs> Point per game playoff player. Unbelievable. All right. I'm just going to do a couple plugs before we get on out of here. So wherever you are listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review. Really helps us out a lot. We appreciate it, as always. Also, if you haven't checked out Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. What you can do there. Five bucks a month if you subscribe. It gets you post-game shows, which we've been getting into now. 
Uh, it gets you a mailbag show. It gets you a live stream from Mitch. It gets you a newscast and a great community of Islanders fans over there. So definitely check that out if you are interested. You can follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY and Mitch is at TLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, available for iPhone and Android. And, of course, for all your New York Islanders needs, head on over to eyesonisles.com. That'll do it for us in episode number 155. We'll be back next Wednesday to talk some more New York Islanders hockey with you. But for now, that'll do it for us. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. And we'll talk to you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.